guys. This is Alexia Gordon, author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries and host of the Cozy Corner Podcast. Joining me today is Abby Vendiver, a fellow Henry Press author, to talk about the first in her Romaine Wilder mystery series, Secret Flies and Crawfish Pies. Welcome, Abby. Thank you. Glad to be here. Please tell us about your book. Secrets, Lies, and Crawfish Pies. Well, it's a cozy mystery, and I always write about family, um, family, and I like to write about people that are professionals. So in my book, I have a medical examiner who has an aunt that raised her. Her parents died when she was about 12 years old, and she went with an aunt to live with an aunt, and her aunt owns a funeral home. Well, she runs the funeral home out the front of the house, but out the back of it, she does a little voodoo herbalist kind of thing. So she always says she can heal a broken heart or stop a cheating husband. And they come home and find out that there's a murder has been taking place um, at the funeral home. A dead body that's not supposed to be there is found in a casket ready to go into the crematory. And they go along and solve the murder. Wow, it sounds exciting. <laughs> oh, so <laughs> I hear it's funny too. So, <laughs> so tell tell us how you chose funeral director as a profession for Romaine's aunt Van. Oh wow, I you know I don't know. People always ask me where do I come up with these things, and I don't know. I like for my characters to do something different. You'll find in a lot of cozy mysteries, and I love cozy cozy mysteries. I'm not saying anything about them, but it's a lot of times a shop owner. As a matter of fact, I have a new book coming out that. The, my character's a shop owner. But I always try to find something different for them to do, to come up with a profession that perhaps um, hasn't been written about a lot um, in the genre. So that's how I came up with the funeral home. And I put her in one of those old Southern plantation kind of houses and um, gave her, she's an older lady and quirky. And she's in a lot of um, community activities and things. So it's just that I like to, do something different with my characters. And now, uh, funeral homes and funeral home directors often play important roles in the community, you know, roles that extend beyond just selling caskets. For example, right. when my mom got married, her town was still segregated, so the African-American funeral home doubled as the African-American exactly. florist. Yes. So, <laughs> so what, kind of what kind of research did you do into the funeral industry and the role it plays in communities, especially small communities? Well, I did a lot. And and even though I live in Cleveland, I've always lived in a suburb of Cleveland. And so the funeral homes were places, uh, as you said, um, my, um, where community members would go for different things. So the funeral home in my neighborhood was also the notary. Um, he had been the mayor of our little suburb before. And my mother was older. I was a a midlife child. So I had a mother who had older ideas. And she was one of those people that went to the funeral home to have other things done than to, you know, to have a, a loved one buried. So I, I looked into it. I found out that they had a um, actual group of funeral home directors um, that was countrywide. They had different standards that they had to abide by. They even had an ethical code. Um, I used to practice law and you know, we had to take an ethical code and um, abide by it. And they have that, that they will do no harm to the to the decedent or to the decedent's family, a list of things that they did. And so I, I looked up a lot. I looked up funeral home 
equipment. I looked up pictures on how funeral homes looked. Uh, a lot of them are family owned. So that's why I made it family owned. And I even found some places where people, you know, lived in the upstairs, upstairs quarters of funeral homes. And so I made my character's home in the funeral home as well. I don't think I'd be brave enough to do that. <laughs> well, I also put that's why my main character, Romaine, picked going into being a medical examiner. She said death was her legacy. She grew up around the dead people and it just was a part of her life. So when she decided to become a doctor, she said it was just natural that she dealt um, with death. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh, speaking of Romaine, which is a unique name, uh, name. <laughs> Names are important in your novel. Um, you, you, yes. you describe the significance of your protagonist's name and how her aunt came to be called Zan uh, yes. by your protagonist and the vet by others. How, yes. how would you say that names connect us to our history? Connect us to our what? So how, how do names connect us to our, our family history and our legacy? Well, you know, names are very special when people are given names at birth. Parents, um, ponder over them for the whole time lots of times that they're pregnant when mothers are pregnant and the uh you know the fathers everyone wants to to pitch in to give someone a name and names a lot of times are legacy of of the family it's it means something it was a grandmother's name or a favorite aunt's name and for me and my stories they are the same thing I take a long time to pick a name. I can't even put my story together if I don't have a name. But then I always want the name to feel real. And that's why um, I'll give them a nickname or I'll have a reason behind the name so that it seems more real to the readers, but it also seems more real to me. Your characters have to come to life and who you are and your name is part of that makes you, you know, the animated person that you are. Okay. And and you also uh, give uh, some of the, the your characters' uh, cultural heritage that, that's mm -hmm. a very important part of them. Uh, so you talk about the migration of French Creoles from Louisiana to Texas, for example. Can you tell us a little bit about French Creole culture? Um, so I only know so much that I research. I always write um, my main characters uh, are black. And I just wanted to give a little twist to that and give a little history. I decided to put my characters in the South. And during the 1940s, it, uh, it seems that um, the French Creole community was a mixed race community. And it was a time that there was a lot of cultural um, and racial unrest in the South and identities were being smeared upon and taken away and that, that happened with that community. As you know, Louisiana is part of the Louisiana Purchase and for a long time it was French. A lot of people still speak French there. So you had a mix of um, Africans coming in as slaves, the French uh, landowners, um, France being owners of that land, and then Europeans um, from England and different places coming in. So there was a great mix and there was a lot of segregation. So one part of the segregation was um, blacks that spoke French. And they, a lot of times, were biracial. And they decided that they that was their 
their racial makeup. They weren't black, they weren't French, they weren't um, English, they were Creole. And that at one point was tried to be stripped from them. I speak about it in the book, um, that their identity was tried, was they tried to take the identity away. The um, city registrar, and I used to be a city registrar, decided that on birth certificates, you're either black or you're white, and that's it. So she changed a lot of birth certificates and death certificates to reflect that. And there was a migration from Louisiana to Texas because they didn't want that. They wanted to be who they were. They were French Creole, um, mixed race Creole, and that's who they wanted to be. So to keep their identity, they migrated to a, another state. And I speak about that just as a background. Um, it plays into the story because uh, Romaine speaks French and there is a lot of Zydeco music and um, the cooking with um, crawfish, as you say, and crawfish pies and things as part of their culture. And when you build a character, that's what you need to do. You have to have some kind of background of who they are, what they like, what they don't like to make them seem real. And you have to give them some kind of history. So I just decided to give those characters that history. And you, you mentioned that you're from Cleveland, Ohio. So did your did your character's French Creole history lead to your decision to have uh, the story set in a small town in Texas, or was it the other way around? You knew you wanted to set it in Texas, so you looked for uh, a heritage that would lend itself to that. Right. I originally think was of the mindset that to write a cozy mystery should be a southern cozy mystery. That was, I wrote first um, a self-published books and I did a lot of research and I found that southern charm um, played well into cozy mystery. So I wanted to write it in the south. I had written a series of books that happened in Georgia. And so I just kind of researched the south to find out um, where is a good place for a southern mystery. And I guess I came up with Texas, and I, then I looked for the history of Texas and around that area. So I think that the idea of place came before the idea of the history of the inhabitants of my, my cozy mystery. And you, you've also mentioned how um, Aunt Zan uh, uses potions, um, she also uh, sees dead people, meaning spirits, not just for clients at the funeral home. And the, the area that you've set your stories as well as their cultural heritage, uh, that's it's very common for people to practice hoodoo or other forms of folk magic and talk about second sight and hate. But how about you? Do you believe, uh, believe in second sight or hoodoo or folk magic? I don't, I don't think that I do, but... My mother was born um, in Jim Crow South, she was born in 1914, and she wouldn't let you split a pole, you, she can't sweep over her feet, you have to, you can't spill salt, it's New Year's, or, uh, a man has to walk into the house before a woman can, she had all kinds of superstition. And I grew up with that, and I don't know that I believe them, but I have an automatic reaction to it. If I'm walking down the street and someone splits a pole, I say bread and butter. I don't think that, I don't even know that I know what will happen to you, you know, because of these superstitions. I'm sure that if you don't say bread and butter, 
something terrible will happen, but I haven't the faintest idea what it is. So I don't think that I so much buy into it, but that I was raised around it and I know about it. And sometimes things happen and you wonder, oh, did that happen because, you know, you spilt a salt or you broke a mirror? No, it's always there in the back of my mind. Um, so that's that's probably it. But I, I would like to say that I don't believe in all those superstitions, superstitions, if I participate in them. And would your mother let you put a hat on a bed? Um, yeah, I could put a hat on a bed, but I couldn't put a purse on the floor. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't have any money. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I, I can't put a hat on a bed, and mom will never tell me what would happen if I did, but I, to this day, I cannot put a hat on the bed. I get anxious. <laughs> I was just going to say, what happened? You know, I, I haven't heard that one, so that's a new one. Yeah, there's so many things that I can't do, and I still don't do them. And I try, I have grandchildren now, and I try so hard not to and um, project those things to them, but oh my goodness, they have a hard time going around poles with me, so. <laughs> okay, and please tell us, where can readers find you and your books? Well, my books, um, the Henry Press books are everywhere. My self-published books are just on Amazon, so um, I even looked at Walmart. You can actually order one of my books on Walmart, but they are Barnes and Nobles and Amazon. Um, I have them in the trunk of my car, so if you ever see me, you can get one. <laughs> I won't even sign that one for you. <laughs> but um, that's where they are. Look them, look me up, and you'll find my books. And you, you mentioned an upcoming book. Can you tell us anything about that? Yes, I recently got a contract with. Um, Penguin Berkeley um, for a three book series and they asked me um, well the, the book that, I, that I've that i written for them is an ice cream shop book and this is my first book that's published um, traditionally that takes place in Cleveland. It takes place in one of the suburbs of Cleveland called Chagrin Falls and I have a black family that has owned an ice cream shop there since 1965. Family owned, family operated and it's been passed down through the generations and now it's my character's turn. She's a millennial um, so she's all about social media and entrepreneurship. She has an MBA and she takes over the family um, shop and she thinks because of this, these degrees and uh, her entrepreneurial spirit that she'll be able to make it the best shop it's ever been. And of course, everything's, um, well, on the first day she, she remodels it and she thinks uh, she's going to have it open during the summer, but because of remodeling setbacks, it doesn't open until October. And then the day it opens, there's a snowfall, a great blizzard, which we have in Cleveland. I always say in Cleveland, if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute, it'll change. <laughs> so she runs into a snowstorm on the opening day of an ice cream store. And of course, she also runs into murder. Of course. <laughs> and now you've made me hungry for, for ice cream. So I think I might have to go and get some. Well, I'm gonna put recipes in there. I was just telling a girlfriend of mine, I go, we're going to have to practice these recipes. I have recipes, but I don't know how they'll taste. So I don't want to put anything in the book that doesn't work out. So we're, I'm going to, 
be up to my knees in ice cream the rest of the summer figuring out recipes and I hope that my readers will be able to enjoy it and it'll be the first time I actually put a recipe in a book wow that's, that's something to look forward to yes thank you <laughs> I hope so and thank you for joining me in the cozy corner Abby uh, this, this has been Alexia Gordon, uh, the author of the Gethsemane Brown Mysteries with Abby Van Diver, author of the Romaine Wilder Mysteries and the upcoming Ice Cream Shop Mysteries. Thank you all for joining us in the Cozy Corner today. We, we're part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.